welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Good afternoon, everyone. We are here today with Lauren. Lauren is the owner of Pen and Ink Designs. How are you doing, Lauren? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Apart from running around everywhere <laughs> after Amazon deliveries and dogs. What do we do without your dog? Uh, if you do hear lots of squeaking in the background, I've got four little puppies and mum sitting behind me. So if you do like hear lots of squeaking, it's not me on the chair. It's just some little pups playing about. So. <laughs> but they're all nice and cute. And Lauren's having a good look at them. Very early. cute. <laughs> so anyway, Lauren. Jealous. Sorry? Very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Like you said, if you're local, you can come around and squeeze them. But uh, you're not allowed to take them home. <laughs> I can't promise. Maybe we'll just avoid that, then I just won't come. That's fine. <laughs> so, Lauren, it's great to speak to you. And um, I really wanted to get you onto the group and onto the podcast so that we could talk all about branding. So maybe you can just uh, introduce yourself, let us know like um, what your company's about and how you got into the um, design industry. Yes, thank you. So um, I obviously own Pen and Ink Designs, as we've established. Um, I'm a graphic and branding agency, so I do all aspects of graphic design. So basically anything other than websites that needs designing. And then obviously branding is the main thing as well. So logos, fonts, colours, everything to accompany it. Um, I set it up, God, what are we talking now? Five years ago um, when I was a baby, 17 um and then went self-employed in 2019 uh, and I just sort of fell into it like studied at school studied at a level loved it never wanted to go to university because I'm too much of a mummy's girl um and so I started just doing logos on the side for people which were absolutely atrocious when you look back at them now but um you gotta start somewhere so I just sort of fell into it and then started doing it alongside full-time work as a graphic designer and then, yeah, eventually just took the plunge. So it's not the most exciting of stories. Like, it's nothing dramatic. I just kind of fell into it and just loved seeing someone go from having absolutely nothing at the start of a business to this beautiful, established brand, basically. So I took, were you, like, doing A-level art or something like that? No, I was doing A-level graphic design, which right. A-level graphic design, like, it's brilliant, unless it's changed now. It was fab back then but the problem is is that you weren't doing obviously real projects so you'd get like a real random project for creating like a design for a packaging of a brand that you haven't invented you've just got to go with the packaging and it's obviously not a real brand there's nothing real about it you've just got to come up with a design which is lovely but it's very different to creating something for someone that's actually going to end up using it in the real world so having to learn all of the software and stuff was really like the main thing that you were doing in the A-level course. It wasn't really anything to do with the proper project, but it was brilliant and it obviously helped me massively. But I can honestly say, and I think I say this to everyone, I 100% learned more going out and doing it on my own after A-levels than what I did actually learn in A-level course because working with real clients and producing real work is so very different to obviously A-level. So yeah, I can't speak for what a uni course would have been like, but I still think I've probably learned more people skills as well, <laughs> going into it straight away. 
And can you remember um, your very first logo that you designed for someone and how nerve wracking that must have been? It, do you know what? I started off, though, doing cards. <laughs> this is awful. I've actually <laughs> still got pictures. I just don't share them. So it's I did handmade greeting cards for people, uh, which they were just terrible and but people bought them for like four pound fifty um and then I did a logo for my first logo was for a very small very small baking business here for a girl who was about my age it wasn't terrible but it was your typical clip art looking stock logo which I think I sold it for about 40 quid and I was just like, here we go. <laughs> and yeah, it's not great. I'm not sharing it. So don't make your next question. Can we see? Because you can't. <laughs> but it was it was a learning curve. But they did get better from there. I think it was more just establishing how you're supposed to approach it. Because I think, especially, I don't know if it's like this in a lot of industries, but in the design world, people tend to be really secretive about how they run their processes, what you charge, what the actual like start to finish processes dealing with a client so you're sort of winging it mm. until you figure it out for yourself so I needed to sell those like 40 50 pound logos to get an idea as to how to actually deal with people in the first place but yeah I mean the logos we definitely don't rate them from back then but they were they were a starting point and they've come, you know they've come on leaps and bounds haven't they since then they have. yeah thankfully <laughs> thankfully I wouldn't be running a business right. but no, they have. And I think it's nice being able to, I've had a few clients come back to me from when they first came to me like four, three, three or four years ago. And looking at their logos now, obviously I can't slag them off because I did them. But when I can compare what I could potentially do for their brand now and having more of an understanding as to what branding is actually all about, rather than just creating this nice looking logo for someone it's nice being able to say, oh, this was lovely back then, but now you've come on like three or four years later, it'd be nice to maybe look at refreshing it and making sure it actually works rather than just look nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how's technology helped you? I was just thinking like five years ago, has technology come along? Do you, is everything that you do hand-drawn or is it all? So technology itself, I don't know what it was like because I've always used the same software. I think what's helped me more is having the money to be able to buy things to help me in the job. So for example, my trusty little iPad Pro with Procreate and my Apple Pencil, everything that's an illustration within a logo, I tend to draw. And without that, I would be absolutely knackered because I draw everything on there. I can share my screen on my MacBook. When I first started, I was on a Windows PC, which was fine. But obviously in my MacBook, as I started earning more money, I got the MacBook. It can obviously link with my iPad so I can share the screen and draw live and stuff. So that in regards to being able to buy more tech to help me with the job mm. has obviously helped massively. Um, and obviously the software upgrades, to be fair, I use Adobe. So Illustrator, Photoshop and InDesign, the upgrades that they've added over the years have obviously massively changed how well you can design logos and certain things that they um, add in but yeah I mean tech and having money to buy the tech because it's all Apple obviously um, that that's been a massive factor in making sure that I can obviously do the best I can for people that are paying me for the logos yeah I wanted to ask that question because I look at some of the work that you produce for clients on my program and yeah. I look at it and I often just like is that all hand-drawn and is that all and yeah. it is, yeah, it's amazing. It's all hand-drawn. It's all one of those things, like if we refer to like Emma, Emma's logo where she's got the line drawing of the dog. 
that's all hand drawn and it's one of these things nowadays you've got so many stock websites you've got so many just general websites where you can buy all these pre-designed logo elements so the illustrations to go with it and that's lovely but if you've got thousands of people using that exact same thing it's never going to be original so being able to just hand draw it I mean when I I'm not an artist (laughs) like if you ever ask me to draw a picture of a person it's not happening but those simple line drawings and those basic illustrations they just sort of add it make it a little bit more original to you um so yeah it's just being able to make sure that everything is for that set person and not just a a stock illustration is just so much better yeah, it's really important. So yeah. let's let's take it back to um, to branding for businesses. And what what would you say is uh, a business brand? What constitutes and makes up a business brand? So you've got everyone seems to well, not everyone. That's an exaggeration, but a lot of people seem to think branding is a logo. <laughs> it's not. So a logo is obviously a small part of the branding. It's incredibly important in branding, but it isn't the brand as a whole. Um, so when I refer to branding to clients, I usually think of brand strategy and then brand identity. So you've got brand strategies, the heart of the brand. It's sort of what makes the brand identity work. So brand strategy would be like your ideal client, uh, your brand values, your competitor analysis, all of these little bits and bobs that make up the actual soul and heart of the brand um and then the brand identity are the visuals so everything you see relating to the business that's been designed so your stationery your packaging your website your logo the fonts used the colors the illustrations all of the visuals and they've been designed because of the brand strategy so they're sort of there to work not just look pretty so all of them all of your visual brand identity bits should basically attract your ideal client and show off your brand personality and you know all of this stuff which makes the branding actually work rather than just look nice does that make sense yeah. if I just waffled a bit there no it does but this <laughs> but this actually uh I, I think a lot of people listening and watching will probably think shit that's actually quite there's quite a lot more to it than than just a, a logo and you start talking about brand strategy yeah. that's where your your personal skills come in because you must come across a lot of brand new businesses, brand new business owners that just get asked about, you know, what's your ideal client and what's your values? They must be like, um, <laughs> and you know what, but that's fine. And it's one of those things like there's so many designers out there. They don't offer brand strategy and it's not a problem because I didn't before. I mean, two, two, two to two and a half years ago, I never offered brand strategy as part of it, but that back then I was working with clients where it wasn't as important. You just needed a logo to look nice and that was fine. But if you're someone that's growing a business, you've got these big end goals that you want the business to reach. You you're potentially someone in your industry that's charging like the higher prices. You need to make sure that your branding doesn't just look pretty. It needs to actually work. Um, And yeah, brand strategy is just one of those things. It's such a, rabbit hole to go down and if you don't know anything about branding because naturally you wouldn't like for me I don't groom dogs so if I go into a groomer's and I ask for my dog to look like a picture there's a lot more that goes into that than just making them look like the picture Mm -hmm. but for branding it's exactly the same you could look at a brand and think something looks nice but if it's not actually working and you don't you've never had to look at branding before you have no idea what you're asking for and I wouldn't expect anything else so being able to actually explain why you need the brand strategy behind everything to make it work 
is probably one of the most important things now. So yeah, all of my initial calls with clients is asking about the ideal client. And if you haven't thought about it, have a think, come up with an avatar, do your competitor analysis, think about your brand values so that it all then ties in together. So when you, uh, when when you might ask people about their target, their target customer they'd be like anyone oh, someone with a dog yeah anyone with a dog or like I'll do a few people at the moment at like restaurants and it's like oh anyone you know that just likes eating out I'm like but it's not <laughs> there's a difference between someone that likes eating out and someone that likes to go to these fine dining restaurants and pay like hundreds and hundreds of pounds for a meal and same with dogs like you might have someone that what has a dog but the difference between someone that has a dog and wants a 10 pound groom versus someone who has a dog and will happily pay like 100 plus for their dog to be groomed is very very different it also comes down to like it's not just obviously the dog it's the person that's going to be reading your social media posts and whether they're female whether they're male what's their age range do they have a family how high is their disposable income because that's obviously going to make a difference to their dog groom and I know a lot of the guys in here it's all about luxury like spa experience for your dogs so you need to make sure that who you're targeting are the people that want that they don't just want a quick quick cheap groom that is going to literally cost them little to nothing so it is literally as much as you can cater for several different kinds of people you should always have that one sort of ideal client in your head and it also comes down to not just what earns well but what you enjoy Mm -hmm. so like for me I love dealing with all sorts of businesses but the one business I tend to completely avoid or industry should I say like builders plumbers electricians that just bores the hell out of me no disrespect to anyone <laughs> does that because my dad's a plumber but that ha- I have no interest in that if I can design something that I enjoy doing it makes a massive difference to how much you enjoy your job as well mm-hmm. so all of that ties into your ideal client it's not just any Tom Dick and Harry that has a dog or has a cat and needs some groom so it's yeah. I tell a story about our ideal client, ideal client, and I, I think you saw it on on the um, Facebook group where the ideal clients, the gardener picks the dog up from 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 us, and the uh, the groom is all paid by direct debit, so the gardener doesn't have to pay us. It takes the dog home, and and the owner's got a, like a dinner party that night, and the dog yeah. comes in, and the uh, the guests at the dinner dinner party say, "Oh, what a lovely dog you got!" And she's like, "Oh yeah, we take it to A to Z Animal Care to have it groomed, and we pay like sixty five pounds a month to make her look lovely, sort of thing." Yeah. And that's kind of like that that sort of um, visualization I have in my head about some of our or some of the customers we would like to have or do have that's what you need and it's like this is why I do like the ideal client avatar thing with people and it sounds so ridiculous because you're like make up a fake person give them a name give them an age give them their family hobbies what they're doing in their spare time all of that stuff but when you're creating your social media posts or you're creating your branding or you're creating your website all of that needs to come into play because like if you think that this specific social media post is speaking to Tom Jones from down the road or whatever then it's going to be speaking to your actual ideal client which is this real life person so having that in the back of your head when you're creating everything makes a huge difference because you're not just sort of firing shots and hoping for the best you're actually putting something out there that you know is going to be speaking to this fake avatar so therefore it's going to be speaking to your ideal client so that's fine I think it's good you got that you're on it 
And, and um, as we know from like Facebook advertising, you can actually go out there and pick out yeah. people that are company directors, drive a Mercedes, they go to exactly. Ascot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Facebook will find these people for you and yeah. you can put your brand in front of them. And yeah. if you're if they are your ideal client and your brand speaks to them, they're coming your way, aren't they, hopefully? Exactly. It's all about being specific. If you could be specific with who you're trying to target, like you like you say with the Facebook ads, you can then be so specific to make sure you're getting in front of the right people. Um, but yeah, it all helps. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it sounds to people when you start describing your ideal client, but it's if it helps you grow the business, because that's the whole point of it. If you've got this ideal client, it's going to help you grow the business eventually. Um, because obviously it's lovely having these little odd jobs here and there, like me selling a 75 pound leaflet every now and again is absolutely fine but at the end of the day the big jobs with my ideal clients are what's going to make me that money and actually grow the business um so it all it all ties in it all, all comes down to that great so it's sustainability so yeah. many i suppose many new businesses come out uh, i think right uh, i'm in business now i need a logo yeah. what other they they tend to forget other things like strap lines and fonts and yeah and things like that. so you get a lot of people that also create if they go into business they just get a canva logo which is fine if that's just a placeholder logo you don't need to invest in anything initially that's absolutely fine but you do need to think about the colors so there's obviously all the things about color psychology different colors convey different emotions um so you need to dig into that if you google i mean this isn't me being lazy but googling color psychology the articles on it are just endless so you can easily find that information yourself to figure out what colors are what for different people um same with fonts you've got endless rabbit hole when it comes to fonts but different fonts speak to different people so you've got like for example serif fonts which are the ones with the little feet their classes like being more luxury high-end they're perfect for that kind of client whereas the serif fonts i know sans serif fonts which are without the feet um, they are obviously more modern. They are associated with a lot of tech companies because they're much more up to date. They're attracting like the younger generation. And then you've got script fonts. So they're that sort of handwritten, curly-whirly style font without sounding sexist because it's not meant to be that at all. It's just the way it is. They're very much directed towards females in the audience because they've just got that association with them. So if you've got a very male-heavy you know, target audience, I'd avoid that kind of font. So you need to look into all of your colours, all of your fonts, even layouts. There's a lot of people tend to just have one version of a logo. So for example, you might just have a really long landscape one, which is fine for certain things, but doesn't fit into a social media profile picture, might not read very well if it's on a business card. So having different layouts of your fonts and a circular version, a landscape version, stacked, all of those will obviously make a massive difference to how you use your logo and how well it comes across um but even down to like the illustration going back to emma's logo having that line drawing illustration that's quite luxury it's quite high end it's got a classy feel to it but if you're not targeting that kind of target audience and obviously that's not going to work very well for you so you might need to look into like a watercolor logo or something which is more cartoonish because that would that will attract your ideal client instead um so yeah there's so much more to it than just having something that looks nice you need to look into all of the ins and outs of colors fonts layouts styles and all of that which will attract who you want to attract 
I mean, when, when we started our pet grooming business, Emma had just left the vet nursing um, practice and the vets at the time used a lot of green. Uniforms were green. Yeah. There was a lot of green in the surgery. So a lot of our, um, you know, our colours that we use within our business are green, which sort of fits the, the brand, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and how about strap lines? We, we've got... Um, you know we we did a lot of this 17 years ago not yeah. knowing any of this we kind of stumbled across it and did it not knowing the importance of it but you're yeah. sort of teaching people now the importance of this sort of this sort yeah. of stuff. how can a strap line make a difference Sorry. so they are important i'm very controversial with the view on strap lines because <laughs> i do think a strap line is important especially if you're business name isn't obvious to what you do so like me pen and ink designs I don't think it's immediately obvious that I do branding so I'm going against my own advice here because I don't actually have a strap line but having a strap line in that instance is great if you're for example Becky's dog grooming Mm -hmm. says what it doesn't so you don't necessarily need a strap line but there's no harm in having one. So, for example, like if you if it is, say, for example, Becky, Becky's dog grooming, but you've got a high focus on like the luxury pet spa side of things, you might want to put that in your tagline to show people that that's what you do. Or if it's um, Becky's group, I don't know why Becky, I'm not sure where that's come from. But if it's like Becky's grooming, you might want a tagline that says your dog and cat grooming if you're doing cats as well, because I think people automatically assume it's dogs when you say grooming. Mm. Um, so having that specific link in your strap lines to what you do is obviously very handy. You can have logos with the strap line in, but also you should also have obviously logos without the strap line in. It all it all balances out like it's one of those things like if you're someone with a really, really long business name, having a strap line in the logo as well will just make it look incredibly wordy. But having a strap line that you could use individually on your website and stuff, that's obviously you can do that. Um, I always say I think it is personal preference when it comes to strap lines. It's a nice to have, but it's not necessarily a must have if it's very obvious what you do in your business name. But then I, no, I think I think you're right, and I I like the way I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the thing about dog and cat grooming because mm-hmm. obviously some people just do dogs, some people just do cats, but yeah. others like ourselves we do dog and cat grooming. So I sometimes think that maybe it should be pet grooming rather than yeah. Becky's dog grooming, Becky's pet grooming. You yeah. know, quality grooming for dogs and cats. That comes down to the logo as well because you'll get some people. Um, will only for example do small dogs so in their logo they want a i don't know sausage dog in the logo because it's a small dog but if in the future you start adding big dogs to the groom do you then change your logo for the illustration to suit that or do you stick with that so it's all of it plays a part trying not to make anything too specific obviously the strap line can change quite easily without people noticing but then the logo that is going to be a bit harder to change. So you might just be a cat groomer for now, but if you wanted to add dogs in the future, you then have to start fiddling about the logo and changing all the illustrations to go with it. So sometimes keeping it quite generic can help, you know, like when people have the comb or, I don't know, the scissors or whatever it's going to be, a paw, a paw print, anything like yeah. that yeah. can help. Um, but yeah, it just depends. I mean, there are some people they have, in their logos specific to them so the breed that they've got in the logo represents what they've got or what the company name the company is named after mm-hmm. um and that's absolutely fine but if you're specifically putting an illustration in because you work with small dogs or you only work with 
cockapoos or whatever it's going to be if that changes in the future it can cause a whole heap of problems and it's the same with strap lines obviously they're much easier to change without people noticing but don't hem yourself in a corner you don't want to alienate people so if you only put like cockapoo grooming in your strap line you're straight away going to alienate people whereas that might not be just what you do it's mm. just part of what you do and what you like to focus on so yeah there's a big balance which comes into it there's quite a lot of psychology around there as well yeah. i think that's quite interesting imagine if you were a, a, a lone groomer a solo groomer you don't want to do big dogs but then you have like a st bernard in your logo yeah that probably wouldn't make that connection would you no. that, that could actually attract the wrong client exactly. And that's okay. the thing. And it, I think it comes down, say, for example, if you're looking to get your website done, if you come across a website designer's website and it specifically says working with the tech industry and you're a dog groomer or you're, or you're me, you're a graphic designer, I wouldn't naturally fancy reaching out to them because I'm like, you sort of got this idea in your head straight away that you're not going to be the kind of person they want to work with. But when you actually dig into it, if you to actually have, have a conversation that's not the only person that they work with. It's going to be several kind of other people, but you just don't want to put people off straight away. So like you say, it's just making sure you put the right image in the head of people that could potentially be your ideal client um, from the get-go is probably much easier than then trying to explain to people, oh, actually, I don't just do this. However, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And how do you, um, how do you feel or how do you, what does a good brand do for your business? What <sighs> benefits can it bring? much so you can work obviously with your ideal client stop working with all the karens that seem to come to you because such and such recommended but they don't want to pay the prices so or track your ideal client for a start so that's one benefit um it will enhance your brand awareness about brand recognition because obviously if you've got good branding and you're keeping that consistent in all of your website your social media posts everything that goes out on instagram and facebook people start to build up this recognition of oh well this logo is associated with lauren because she's posting this on all of her posts and she's keeping it consistent um so it helps with that helps with credibility with the business um and i say this all the time and then you have to try and explain it to people but it helps you generally honestly reach your business goals because if you have got your branding designed perfectly from the get-go with all of these business goals in mind it's going to help you get there because it's going to help you then attract those ideal clients which is helping you increase your income and then grow the business so having this perfectly great branding technically should last you five years plus because if you're not changing your idle client you're not changing the general direction of the business so for example if you're a dog groomer and all of a sudden you've decided actually you're going to train horses obviously the branding needs to change but if you've got the same idea for the business going forward that should last you for years to come so it will obviously help you grow the business as well because you're attracting your idle client staying consistent helping you with your income oh there's a whole bunch of reasons it all helps it all helps and there's nothing wrong with a canva logo there's nothing wrong with something that's been designed from someone on fiverr um but it probably won't last you as long and it probably won't be working to its full extent like it won't be attracting the idle client it won't be helping you to grow the business or anything like that so it's just you've got to weigh up what you're ready to invest in and what you're not mm. 
So you, you obviously, you, you're part of my uh, business program. You help the um, clients on their brand awareness. Yeah. And you've also helped a few of them with their logos and their, their branding of their businesses. What kind of changes or have you seen any changes in them personally when at the beginning of the process to like, here's your here's your package yes. and how they feel Confidence. about Confidence. Do you know what? I think this is one of the main things. Of, am I allowed to name names on here? I, they, they won't mind. Yeah, so Gemma, for example, prime example, Gemma. Obviously, I've only just tweaked her, and I mean tweaked. I've still kept the same illustration in her logo. We've just changed the fonts. We've given her more layouts. We've given her a set color palette. And the confidence from when she was first posting in the program, all of her designs that she was putting together to what she's now posting, everything is so much more consistent. She's completely got the hang of everything. Like she'll post things now and I will not even comment any changes because she's basically nailed it first time. And you can see that confidence grow. You can see the change where like she's managed to straight away, she's more than happy to post it. She's not expecting you to really put any feedback on it because she knows it is pretty much nailed first time. Mm. Um, So the confidence has been a massive thing. And also it has helped with consistency. So people that have come to me, which have already got a brand, but it's not perfect. Obviously you're more apprehensive to them want to put it on your socials because you're not happy with it. So you don't really want to be showing it off and getting people to associate that with your business. So seeing the consistency change, all of the posts are now the same. They've got their branding with all the different little versions of their logo on every single post that goes out. I think it's just massively made a difference. This sound, makes me sound like I'm right big head. But it makes, you can just see people have just become so much more confident in their brand. And that's what you need, because if you're not confident in what you're selling, your customers aren't going to be confident in what you're selling, which is obviously going to impact you negatively. So, yeah, you can noticeably see it. Definitely. And I think if you go back to episode 51 of this podcast and listen to Gemma's journey on the program, you'll be able to see some of the examples she's given around how much it, the confidence has grown. It's enabled her to put her prices up and make more money and yeah. make more profit now every month. So you, you're, not being, you're not being big headed. It, it <laughs> works. You know, this this stuff works for people. But it all ties in. And I think this is what's so good about your program is because you've people, when they come to me, they've already learned so much from you. And obviously everything ties in because having their prices increase and having all this confidence around social media and all this other stuff that comes with the program then leads back to branding. All of, the, all of their branding needs to reflect the increased prices. It needs to reflect what they've changed on their social media and how they're approaching their day-to-day like customer journey. So everything's linked and everything is obviously reflected of what they've already learned. So mm. it all massively ties in together um, throughout the whole process of what they go through. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I had a question come into to this group once. Um, it was pretty much just saying... Why do people only ever want to pay £35 for a dog room? And it, it kicked off a lot of answers. One of my answers was like, well, you know, if you ask for £35, that's all you're going to get. But maybe it comes it's deeper into the, the business psyche of that and the fact that if you're not feeling confident with your business, yeah. if you've got not got your branding sorted out, if you're not going out there feeling confident to ask for more money, then you're not going to get more money. So this is, like you said, the, the bigger picture, isn't it? And it is. And I think and this is where I think competitor analysis comes into it as well, because we're all so quick to compare our prices to those around us. Like if you've got we've got I've got someone here, we've got a designer in the village, lovely lad, but he charges 50 pounds for a logo. So you're naturally well, me always comparing. You're like, 
am I too expensive? Maybe I'm not charging enough because on the other end of the scale, they've got someone here who charges like 20 grand for a project, which is great, but you've all, you're always going to be different to your competitors. And I think being able to do the competitor analysis actually helps you with the confidence as well because you can see that yeah maybe they are charging less than you but they're also offering like half the amount of services or when you look at their reviews they've only got 25 star reviews compared to your 75 80 90 five star reviews so everything is in moderation like it all speaks for itself and like you say if you've got confidence in what you're selling you know that you're doing a bloody good job so therefore your prices need to reflect that and if people don't like it they're not your ideal client so let them go elsewhere it's scary to start with but once you start letting it go obviously once you are attracting those ideal clients which are paying your higher prices you don't need those people that you've lost because that one person will make up for those three people you've lost at a lower price so it all it all weighs out it all makes sense in the end as scary as it is losing people (laughs) but it's it's looking at the it's stepping outside and looking at the whole holistic side of your business isn't it yeah and what um what was interesting is oh, what I thought might happen with yourself as well, actually, when they come to you and it could be like a first time um, business or it could be someone that's been in business for 10 years or so. I reckon if they came to you and started your process, we'll talk about your process in a minute. It could yeah. actually help them to fall back in love with their with their business, you know, because yeah. the process that you go through. Yeah. And you pick it up. I think like it goes back to what I said about you don't know what you don't know if you're going into this whole branding process of not having a clue what you're really asking for or what you're meant to be expecting you sort of have this almost negative idea about it to start with whereas when I start probing and asking questions and digging into it properly people start to realize oh actually I could start offering this or maybe I need to start doing this differently or I can see why this would make such a massive difference so yeah it's all it's all positive when you start really digging into it but yeah it's getting to that point because you don't know what you don't know at the end of the day and it is quite a process that you've got put together haven't you you've got a whole you do a naming you do a naming session naming workshop yep we've sorry you carry on on, tell us about your naming (laughs) that might be the first thing people struggle with is naming their business because there's so many options or also there's yeah. some names out there isn't there and that's the thing so naming naming workshops so they're basically designed to be I'm sort of the facilitator so I'm the person that's trying to draw these ideas out of you because at the end of the day it's your business no one knows your business as well as you do so for me it's more just drawing these sort of ideas out of you we have a look at brand values, keywords relating to the business. We do a whole bunch of spider diagrams, loads of brainstorming. Um, And then you sort of just start to come up with the business names. So they can either be, you know, a bit of fun, like a play on words, or they could be completely what they say on the tin, like Becky's dog grooming. Um, But one thing that people tend to sometimes forget is looking at the legal checks. So when you do end up growing as a business. You might not want to trademark your name initially or go limited or whatever, but making sure that that name is available for that when the time comes is obviously helpful. Because if you set out with this business name that you absolutely love and then all of a sudden you grow, you can't trademark it because someone's already got the business name. You either have to register a different name or you need to change your business name. So it can cause problems, but names are one of the hardest things to come up with Mm. and the whole point of the naming workshop is that yeah anyone can do it of course you can you can come up with a name yourself and be absolutely fine but trying to come up with a name on your own when you're so involved in the business 
can be really difficult. So having this complete outsider come in and push these ideas out of you and try and like probe to get an idea as to where we could go with it. Have you thought of this? Have you not thought of this? This is a terrible idea, but what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. It can really help you to sort of just develop the name and eventually just have this wonderful name that represents everything you want in the business without having to then change it because you're not quite set on it in the first place. Yeah, and I was thinking, going back to like Becky's dog grooming. And I don't know where that's come from. Sorry. Uh, we don't know anyone these do. <laughs> if you if you name a business after yourself, so like say Lauren's Lauren's pet grooming, um, but you've got ambitions to grow and get a salon and have staff, that could actually um, stunt your growth, couldn't it? Because the business is very stuck on you. It than- is, and you're given like this false idea that you're the one dealing with everything, which obviously it's probably not going to be the case as the business grows. If you, if you genuinely start a business with no intention of going big or doing it as like a sideline business, it's always just going to be you. Then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with putting your name in the, in the company name. But like you say, if you grow, you end up having like, I don't know, seven members of staff. You're not actually in the end going to be doing the grooming. You're doing more of the admin and bringing in the sales it's kind of gives you like this false idea as to you're the one dealing with every single client that walks through the door when you're not. Um, so rather than putting your name in the name, you're probably better off just having like an about us page on your website, for example, and just going into the fact that you're the owner, you set it up, but you have got this team of lovely people working under you. Um, so yeah, it's again, it can be personal preference. If you're really, really set on having your name in it, then that's great. There is sometimes I've worked with some people in the past where they've used the name of a family member or something that they're quite close to and they've decided to use it in the name. Again, it's a lovely, lovely sentiment, but it is it can be confusing if you're dealing with Marion's dog grooming and you're not you're not even called Marion. There's no one in the business that's called Marion. It's a bit confusing. Um, so, again, you might be better off putting a reference into the logo, for example, if they had like a favorite flower put that in the logo so that you've got some sort of reference to it without it being confusing to the client so yeah sorry that's just turned into a bit of a tangent then yes exactly i mean (laughs) again um we named our business a to z animal care um 17 years ago and what spurred that on was one the yellow pages so Mm -hmm. we wanted to be the first on the top of the yellow pages in the pet section and then we tried to get all the letters of the alphabet and we tried to provide a service for yeah. every single letter, it, it didn't work. But no, <laughs> 17 <laughs> years later, you know, we're now doing um, dogs, cats, tea cleaning, um, fleas, worms, veterinary services. So actually it has kind of paid off that yeah. we're becoming an all-encompassing business. Yeah, And it's but, generic enough to not know what it means, like A to Z. It doesn't, there's nothing there which is really saying why it's called A to Z. So it works because you can interpret that however you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you've, you have got that on your side. I think your your name works really well. I but what I explain to people when we're doing some training around setting businesses up is people come to A to Z for their pet yeah. grooming. They don't come and see Emma. They don't come and see Chloe, Morgan. They come to A to Z. So if Emma's, uh, Emma doesn't work um, Wednesday or Thursday to Friday, yeah. people are still coming they're still coming to use the business they're not coming to yeah. see Emma and there was a time when Emma didn't work Saturdays at all and then when uh, Chloe went on maternity leave Emma had to go back into the shop and there was a whole raft of customers that we'd never met 
you know. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things as well, like you can still be involved in the business. You can design your branding to reflect your personality. So you can still have that link in your branding. You can still, all the messaging that you put on your social media, that can still come from you. It can still be very much you that's doing it, but there's a difference between doing that and having your name in it to start, you know, you sort of then have like this false idea of or maybe I do need to be really, really involved in it. And then it obviously leads to burnout. And then it's, it can all just, it sort of escalates all just from the fact that you've got a name in your business name. Um, so there's just so many other ways you can incorporate it without actually having to have your name in the name. In the mm, name. It, might, it might help you, I suppose, take a step back from yeah. your business as well, because yeah. you, you're not having to do everything and you shouldn't yeah. be doing everything in your business. No. So that's your naming workshop. Tell us about your, your branding process that you have in place as well. Oh, so you have got, um, this varies. So it depends how in depth you want to do brand strategy. So for a lot of people, we just touch on brand strategy, like the real main important parts. Um, so for example, all the guys in the pet grooming program that I've done it for, they'll go through this. So we'll just mainly touch on the really important parts, which are obviously competitor analysis, brand values and target audience. Um, all they all start with an initial consultation course it's about half an hour long um it's got a super in-depth questionnaire which i'll go through to really dig into the business nine times out of ten you do get people go oh, i don't know what that means and that's absolutely fine i don't expect you to know because you haven't had to think about it um so it'll just be a case of sending you an email with an explanation so that you can have a think once you're off the call and then a lot of it involves before any of the design process starts a lot of it is brainstorming so when you start your branding, Pinterest is your best friend. You just can spend hours on there. Start having a look at what colours you like, what fonts you like, if there's any particular logos you like. It doesn't have to be a dog grooming logo. It can be any logo um, that you particularly like or you're drawn to, general aesthetics that you like, you know, literally anything. Um, and you just pin it all in a board. And I usually ask people to send me the link to their Pinterest board because although I might not design something which is exactly like their Pinterest board, it will give me an idea as to what they like so that I can combine it with what will work so that you come together with this like lovely, lovely concept. Um, and it's always meant to be fun. It's one of these things I say to people like the process, branding process when it comes to setting up your business. That's the fun part. Like you have to do all the legal stuff. You have to, you know, get all the domains done. If you're going limited straight away, set up all the boring you know paperwork side of things the branding is meant to be the fun bit you get to be creative um even if you're not creative you're not involved to the point where i'm expecting you to draw your own logo so you just have to tell me what you like what you dislike and narrow it down that way um but it's one of those situations where the process as much as i try and get you to lead me in regards to what you like I also have to make sure that it works. So we'll start with concepts. We'll put together like two to three initial concepts, um, send them over to you. I always say, I want you to hate parts. I want you to tell me what you hate about it, but I also want you to tell me what you like so that I can start to narrow it down. And then the developments where you really start to have fun with it and play around with the fonts and the colors and the layouts and all of that stuff. So yeah, the process is, it's quite in depth, but without you having to get too involved. So obviously, it's a situation where you're setting up a business. There's so much to do anyway. The last thing you need to do is be constantly telling me what you think or sending me over all of these designs that you like or 
you know, constantly have me nagging in your ear to get back to me with feedback. So as much as you do have to take a back seat a little bit and let me just crack on with the design process, I do still need your feedback. But yeah, it's a fun process. Like there's so much to it. It could be as in-depth or as minimal as you need it to be. I just need to ask you questions you need to answer. And that's pretty much it. But it's it's like you said, it's your business is um, yeah. coming alive on paper and it you start to fall in love with your business and have that yeah it's one of of those things as well okay a lot of people come to me they're like oh I I know what I want I want this in these colors with this font and this illustration I'm like okay so you tend to do like a concept based on that idea and it's not until they see it on paper they're actually like oh I hate it because it's like you have this idea in your head which you think will look brilliant you found a picture online but until you see it in your company name your colors your illustrations all of it relating to you you might absolutely hate it so this process is almost like it does open your eyes a little bit to, well, this is what I thought I liked, but turns out I don't. So you almost have to then change this idea in your head. Like I know a lot of people probably in the grooming world, you have an idea as to what you like. So then you start already planning what your salon's going to look like, what colours you're going to paint it, what colour all your stuff's going to be. But once you've got your branding, you then start to get an idea of actually... I didn't like that, but I really like this idea. So you then start to get even more excited because you start to see exactly what you like coming to life. And, oh, it's a fantastic process because you just, you do, because you see people go from like absolutely nothing to this whole wonderful, beautiful working brand, all of it coming across in the salon. It just, it all works. I was just thinking about chicken and egg and and branding is actually the chicken, isn't it? Because once you've got your branding, once you've got your, so it comes with uh, your logo, strap line, your fonts, your colours. You can then, like, if you're going to a web designer and you're overwhelmed by all the questions they're asking you, you can just say, here's my brand guidelines, which provided me, go create. (laughs) And that is it. And it's, that is the beauty of having your branding already designed you can literally even when it comes to like um getting your uniform and stuff done mm. if you can just send the supplier like here are all of my vector files of my logo pick whichever one you think is going to work best on the uniform you can literally just hand all that stuff over to someone else and you don't have to worry about it whereas things like creating it on canva if you haven't got it as a vector format or you don't know what the fonts are that have used you're not sure what the, the hex code is and all of that it can cause you problems which then obviously it's more stuff you have to start doing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, probably your web designer and your um, graphic, like your your leaflet designer and all those yeah. people will probably love you for it as well because you yeah. just literally give them the colours that they need to use and off you go. Yeah, and let them crack on. And then probably the the person that being cute is going to mix your paint as well. Can they sort of match match yeah. paint for your salon with you your brand colours? It's funny because I was thinking about this the other day because we've been having a conversation with a client about colours. And I I genuinely think you probably can because I give you your uh, your hex code, which is the code specifically for that colour. I mean, you could easily print out your logos on, you know, a few different stocks of paper to see what the colour variation is. Take them into a paint place. You're like, look, this is the colour of my logo. I need it to match as close as you can. And nine times out of ten, I can't see why that would be a problem. I think it should be easy enough to do that. So you can have your your whole salon brand yeah. your colours. Exactly that. And, and to be fair, it's one of those situations as well. Even if you didn't get it as your specific colour, but you've got a colour that's complementary to what's in your logo, that will still work because you can add it to your colour palette of like these little colours on the side which complement what you've already got in your logo. Um, and you can use them as your accent colours if you've got social media posts or if you've got it in the salon, you need to get like a specific 
pair of scissors where the handles are a certain color of teal you can you can do all that so yeah there's easy ways to get around all the colors but it's all it's a really fun process and it i'm not just saying that because i'm a designer i've had people if you're not even remotely creative you can still turn it into a really fun process i'm not great i'm not creative at all <laughs> but you can you can turn it into a really fun process and just see it all genuinely come to life because that's part of the process as well when i do the concepts you'll I'll mock up like what it would look like on a business card or what it would look like on a wall. So you can start to visually see how it would work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a brilliant, brilliant process. I've honestly and truly seen it in the, in the people that you've helped out in the program. I've seen how much they've, they've like given me sneak previews of their new logo and how proud they are of their logos and how proud they've become of their businesses. I mean, uh, yeah. Emma is a good example. She, she'd been grooming for 10 years and uh, you, you've helped her, you've done all her branding and her logo, and it's like reinvigorated her and reinvented her business, you know, to get it out there again. Yeah, and, and you up. should you should want to scream about it. You should want to have, you know, it printed wherever you can. So it's half the reason I got, like, branded workwear and stuff, because me doing what I do, I work at home, but I don't really need it, but I want it because I really like my branding. So I'm like, I will get everything I need to get. So it's you should want to scream about your branding. And if you don't have that passion for it, you shouldn't expect your clients to have the same sort of passion for your business. So it does generally really, you know, give you a sort of second lease of life when it comes to the business and wanting to, you know, shout about it from the rooftops and stuff. It's a great point, isn't it? How, how can you expect your clients to be, to rave about your business if you're not doing it yourself? Exactly that. So, and so you've got your, your naming workshop for people that are struggling with names. You've got your branding workshop for new yeah. and existing um, businesses. Anything else that you can help with on the side? Yeah, so I do a bunch of ad hoc stuff. So it doesn't have to be branding projects. You can, I get, I mean, I get people come to me for some really random things. Um, and then I get people come to me for like flyers, brochures, business cards. You might want an infographic done for the website or, you know, it can literally be anything other than websites. I pretty much try and do so I mean even if you wanted like a specific design for I don't know a paper bag that you put goodies in or something it can be anything um and they're just the little ad hoc jobs which you know they're fun to do because they're really random I've had people come to me in the past for a phone case design which they just want to you know send to their husband for their birthday or something so it can be literally anything it doesn't even have to do anything to do with the business <laughs> but yeah so the main things are naming and branding are workshops but everything else is ad hoc i can do a whole bunch of different bits and bobs on the side excellent so um how do people get hold of you uh my website is a good starting point if you submit a form that goes straight to my email you can message me on Facebook, WhatsApp, I'm quite easy to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I tend to usually just point most people towards my email just because it's that's where everything sort of gathers and it's easy to get things lost if it's a text message or whatever. So email is usually best, but if it's just a general chat, Facebook's absolutely fine. Um, and people don't have to pay for me. This is one of the big things I try and push. I'm like, you don't have to come to me only if you want to pay for branding. If you just have a question or you just you're not quite sure how you're supposed to figure out what font to use I'm more than happy to just answer people's questions because I think half the thing about branding and what I do is it 
if you don't know or you've never had to do it before you have no idea what you're looking at and if you haven't got a budget to put out there for branding at the moment if you've got the best information you can for free to try and do it on your own then you're pretty much good to go um so yeah always happy to just chat you can't really shut me up so I'm always happy to get on a zoom and have a cup of tea or a coffee with someone um so yeah it doesn't have to be paid for services just a general chat with questions is fine and yeah and you sit you're sitting in the you're sitting in the facebook groups as well so i can always yes. tag you with any branding questions yes oh. any um, what's the biggest tip or, or for software for people that want to do it on their own canva so <laughs> adobe is wonderful but it's also bloody expensive and it takes a lot to learn um but if you want just a logo to just set you off for now at the very start of your business before you build up a budget to invest in branding, Canva is fantastic. And obviously you've got all the fonts, you've got all the colors, you've got elements on there that you can look, that you can use. Um, so Canva is probably your best friend for all of that sort of thing. Or Fiverr, because Fiverr, you'll have a mixture of designers on there at varying different prices, but you're probably more likely to get more of an original logo from someone from Fiverr compared to using elements that people have access to on Canva. Um, so Fiverr is a good alternative as well. But yeah, just um, be careful because there are some people on Fiverr which are questionable. Okay. And there's one one tip around Canva and logos. I yeah. heard you say the other day is you can't trademark so that's why I, that's why I'm reluctant with Canva. It's great, like I say, great for a placeholder logo until you build up a budget um, to get it invest to uh, invest in yourself to get professional branding done. But you cannot trademark it. All of the elements on Canva belong to Canva. Um, so if you went on there and started using, you know, illustrations of dogs or basically anything that they offer in regards to elements on Canva, you cannot trade it trademark it because it doesn't belong to you and it's not original to you. So Obviously, if you've set off with a Canva logo and you never get it changed and all of a sudden the business grows and you want to trademark it, you'll run into more problems trying to change your logo and get all of these existing clients to recognize your new logo than you would just investing in it sort of as soon as you can from the start. So, yeah, it's just one of those things with Canva. You can be careful. Fantastic flyers, business cards, stationery, but logos, not so great um, if you're wanting it as like a long-term fix. Yeah, excellent. Well, it's been lovely uh, catching up with you today, Lauren, and learning all about branding. I'm sure uh, many people have like had their eyes opened to what branding can do for their business, and the passion that comes out in your in your voice, and like <laughs> how how passionate you are for helping small businesses and with their logos and their branding. It's been awesome. It's awesome working with you as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. We'll put all your um, we'll put your website details in the in the chat box so people yeah. can get hold of you if they wish to, and then uh, let you go and enjoy your afternoon. Thank you very much. All right. Take Thank care. you. Have a good afternoon. Speak to you soon.